Today's Old Testament reading is found in the book of Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14, and you can find that on page 1345 in your Pew Bibles. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to the bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you, and make flesh come upon you, and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied, and I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and the tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Come, breathe from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied and he commanded me and breath entered them and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open up your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open up your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. Our New Testament scripture is from the book of John, chapter 11, verses 1 through 45. And that can be found on page 1668 in your Pew Bibles. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters went 
said, sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by the world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but the disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said and he is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping 
and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take the stone, take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had, when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen, and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. So ends the reading of God's holy word. This is the last week for those long readings from John. I don't know about you, but I'm going to miss those. I love the Gospel of John. Just so you know, um, I'm going to try something a little bit bit different. Um, I'm going to open in prayer my sermon, and at the very end, I'm going to bookend it in prayer. Just giving you a warning, so that after the sermon I say, let's stand and pray before the praise team leads us, so you know what I'm talking about. Okay? Is that a bop? That's the bop. Is that really a phrase? Hector said the grandparents would know, so I'm going to ask, you know, people Tony's age. Um, do, is, that, uh, is that really a saying? I've never, ever, ever heard that. But, you know, you know what they say. That's a bop. So, friends, let's pray together. Lord, may your spirit rest upon us. May we be filled with your love. And Lord, may my words and may all of our hearts, as we seek you, give you honor and glory. For you indeed are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. September of 2015 brought with it perhaps the most challenging moment that I've ever had in all of ministry pastoring two little churches up in Warren County, little country churches. And and I remember uh, being at one of those churches and getting a phone call from a colleague in town, a good friend of mine named Jerry Scott, pastor of the Assemblies of God Church. And he said, um, 
have you seen the news? I said, uh, no, what are you talking about? He said, I'll send you something. He said, and then I'll be in touch. There was a young man who played football for Warren Hills High School. And there at a game versus Summit High School, he had been tackled several times and collapsed on the field and then died en route to the emergency room. 18 years old. Baseball star, a football star, had scholarships to Rutgers, to Drew University. He was deciding whether he wanted to play baseball or football in college. Promising young man had so much ahead of him. All changed in an instant. And so Jerry, my pastor friend, had called and said, "Um, the family wants to have the service at my church. It's the only building really that's big enough um, but I need your help and they want you to help too so we we got together and we we planned out the service and the the viewing 4,000 people came through the building lieutenant governor was there football team from Rutgers Drew's baseball team the coaches it was just incredible And I remember before the viewing, getting together with the family and Pastor Jerry in the little room behind the the sanctuary. I still remember, remember to this day, just the look in the parents' eyes. Unlike anything I'd ever seen. Total devastation. And I remember just feeling so inadequate for the moment. What do you do? What do you say? I've learned you do and say nothing. You just stand there and give a hug or shake a hand if it's welcome. Just be there. And I remember an uncle uh, who was there too, who was from Kansas, and uh, it was a United Methodist. And he had this look of just sadness on his face, but there was also something else there on his face. And he introduced himself to me and he said, yeah, he said, I go to such and such a church and so-and-so is my pastor. Have you heard of him? And I'm thinking to myself, there's 35,000 United Methodist churches in the United States. No, I haven't heard of your pastor. I didn't say that. That's what went through my head. We started talking a little bit and he said, you know, he said, this is just devastating us. And then he looked at me and he said this and I have forgotten this. He said, I don't know how people can do this without Jesus my goodness he said to me he said there is this is this is complete darkness for all of us he said but there's a glimmer of hope there's a glimmer of hope even in the darkness I've carried that with me I've carried those words with me in in the midst of uh, 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 of one of the most horrific moments that I have ever encountered in ministry affected the whole town. It was the first time that some uh, of those high school kids had had ever seen a, a deceased person, a classmate, a peer. Just imagine how that must have been. And then the parents. But I remember those words so clearly, and it, and it, and it gave me just a little bit of a boost than I needed in that moment. I said, oh, it's, the darkness has settled over us. It's dark. 
can't see, but there's a glimmer of hope. There's a glimmer of hope. I thought of that story and that moment there with that family as I was going through John chapter 11 this week. Darkness has descended over a family. And yet, there's a glimmer of hope. When John, when, when Jesus rather hears the news of Lazarus and travels, do you notice what Martha and then Mary both say? They say the exact same thing. Lord, if you had just been here, he wouldn't have died. Sitting with Evan Murray's parents, and with countless families in the middle of loss over the, the, the years of my ministry, everyone has said something very similar to that. Where's the Lord? Why didn't the Lord save them? If God is real, if God had been here, this wouldn't have happened. Those words that Mary and Martha that are recorded for us in John 11 echo down the ages, don't they? From family to family. This wouldn't have happened. When John is writing, and the audience uh, in Jesus' day when this is happening, and the audience to whom John writes, would have been many, many Jews, would have been saturated in the law and the prophets. And so whenever there was talk about life, new life, restoration, resurrection, the prophet Ezekiel would have been percolating in their mind. Ezekiel, one of, the, one of the great major prophets, writing during the Babylonian captivity, prophesied of a day when that which was dead would come alive again. When the bones would gather up and take on sinew and tendon and flesh and have life again. But can you imagine with me for a moment for a Jew in Babylonian captivity when Ezekiel prophesied those words how that must have felt yeah okay someday but what about right now what about right now and Ezekiel prophesies a little bit later on that God himself would step into the world the Messiah would come and would bring life where there had only been death. And in John chapter 11, Jesus does just that. You know, we see, I think, the humanity of Jesus come through so clearly here in John 11. Jesus loves Lazarus and Mary and Martha. Jesus Friends, if, 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 if there's one thing I think that we can grasp onto in the midst of our own darkness, in the midst of our own pain and loss, in the midst of our own questioning, Lord, if you had just been here, I know what the answer can't be. And it can't be that God doesn't care. 
because God came near. God is not far removed from us, staying up in his heavens, insulated from pain and human suffering. He came into the world. He experienced it. He loved a family who lost a loved one and he cried about it. So when we sit with grief and sadness, either our own or someone else's, the answer can't be that God doesn't care because John 11 shows us that he does care, that he does love, that he is moved with compassion by our own grief. And then there's this moment. Jesus comes. The people are grieving. Mary and Martha are there. Martha has confessed that Jesus himself is the resurrection and the life. Not just something to hope for one day in the future, which good Jews of the day did. That somehow, somewhere in the last day, there would be a resurrection. But what Jesus brings is something else entirely. He doesn't do away with that. Yes, there would be a resurrection in the last day, but there can be new life now. Jesus can breathe into dry bones now. Where there once was death, there can be life now. Because God has come near. Because Jesus has come close. So he goes to Lazarus's tomb. And I, I love the reaction of the people. It's not excitement that Jesus can do this. It's not anticipation. It's Jesus, he's going to stink. He's been in there four days. Jesus calls him. Lazarus, come out. And he comes out. Still bound grave clothes he has people on time and he's set free and people believed you know friends here in this world in which we live yes Jesus brings new life he brought literally brought new life to Lazarus here And we confess that Jesus Christ, because of who he is and what he has done, death is not the end for any one of us. Death is not the end. Even in death, there is life. Because Jesus conquered the power of death. But think with me also of what Jesus can do in a life right here, right now. Nicodemus. Nicodemus. He is in the tomb, isn't he? of ignorance and darkness. And Jesus calls him out to truth and to the light. The woman at the well, she's bound up by guilt and shame, by rejection. And Jesus sets her free to go back and to tell. The man who was born blind, he couldn't see from the day he was born And he has no idea how he received his gift of sight. 
All he could say was, I once was blind, but now I see. And I guarantee you, if we went around this room right now, there are people who could testify to having been bound up by addiction or grief or sadness or loss or depression and that Jesus set you free. Jesus is still in the business of calling people forth from their tombs and releasing them into his new life. It's not just something that we have to wait for in the future when we die and our bodies are resurrected. How wonderful will that be? And it will happen. But now, today, Jesus shows us that there is freedom from whatever it is that keeps us bound and in the clutches of death. There's freedom. Church, that should give us some energy and light a fire under us. Oh my goodness, how often do we just get stuck in a rut? And we argue and we, 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 we focus on the most mundane things. Yes, even in the church. When, when we are given, are tasked with the very words of life. Friends, if we could just take the lid just a little bit off the power of what's here, we could change the community. We could change our world. But shame on us. Shame on us. When we get so caught up in temporal things, in things that don't really matter, when there are people all around us who are just waiting for someone to say to them, come forth, come out. There's life, there's freedom in Jesus. Come out. For better or for worse, you and I, as the church, we are Jesus in the world. And sometimes, frankly, that seems to be for worse. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. John 11, where Jesus says, I, I am, present tense, the resurrection and the life. I'm the one who will take the dry bones and bring them back together and breathe into them life. I am the one, I am the resurrection and the life, the one who believes in me will never die. So friends, the question is posed to us, do we believe that? Do we believe it? Do we live and act like we believe it? In our relationships with other people, do we treat them with kindness and goodness, speaking words of life into their lives? For people around us, who are just struggling to make ends meet, who are wondering where the next meal will come from. Are we the hands and feet of Jesus to them, bringing into their lives the news of the one who can set them free? For people all around us who are bound up and captive, feeling like all is dark and there's not even a glimmer of hope. What are we doing? Friends, today this scripture is a challenging one to us. It's supposed to challenge us. And if sometimes, friends, if we don't come to these scriptures and leave feeling a little bit uncomfortable, I wonder if we've actually heard and read the text, or rather allowed the text 
to read us. We are tasked, friends, with bringing the words of life into a world that's hurting, that's dark, into the lives of people who've lost loved ones tragically, into the lives of those who can't make sense, who, who, who echo the question, Lord, if you'd just been here. But you know what the good news is? The Lord is here. The Lord is here. Even in the darkness and sadness and pain that each one of us experienced, and maybe some of us are in it right now, and we know people who are, we all know people who are still in the tomb. The Lord is here right now. Right now. Calling people forth and saying to us, his church, get out. Go to where the people are. Go to where the hurting ones are. When you encounter darkness, bring the light of Christ into it. Friends, even in the darkness, there's a glimmer of hope. And it's not some pie in the sky idea. It's not a concept about God. It's not some teaching. It is God himself in the form of Jesus standing in the midst of the darkness and still saying, come out, come out. Amen. Friends, let's stand and pray. Oh God, you've come into the world in Jesus Christ. You've reincarnated for us and for our salvation. Oh God, give us the boldness and the courage to take the news that you indeed are the resurrection and the life into the world around us. Remind us even now that there is hope in the darkness, that not all is lost, that because of you, the light overcomes the darkness, life overcomes death resurrection overcomes defeat. God, give us the courage, give us the boldness to witness to you the only one who can set the captives free. In Christ's name.